The Calgary Flames are in a hot battle for playoff position. Meanwhile, the Chicago Blackhawks are looking to make moves before the trade deadline and looking for optimism. And the Florida Panthers are hoping that their second half is stronger than the first. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today, and thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Flames, Jess Belmasto. And Jess, it's been a crazy season for the Calgary Flames. This is one of the more unpredictable teams in the league. And their last game, you have a 6-2 lead, hang on for dear life to win 6-5. Is that the season in a nutshell almost? Yeah, I feel like that really sums up the Calgary Flames uh, hockey experience. This season has been much like the off season, a roller coaster, and you don't know what you're getting on a day-to-day basis. One of the more positive things is that Jonathan Huberdeau has definitely kind of emerged. He's breaking out of his shell a little bit more, which is fantastic to see, of course. But, you know, you do have to start worrying about the goaltending and getting a little bit too comfortable. You you mentioned... Huberdo, what what do you think was the reason for his slow start? Is part of it the adjustment to a new city, new teammates, or were there other factors involved as well? So apparently he was dealing with some injuries coming into the season, and I think that he just tried to play through it. And once he realized he couldn't anymore, it was uh, he missed a few games, nothing too concerning. But once the lines sort of settled as well with Lucci John, uh, that wing as well. It's kind of, I don't want to say panned out because that would make it sound like it's very successful, but Huberto is definitely finding his rhythm. Uh, you know, Kadri and him really just need another, another winger to bolster that line even more. You mentioned the goaltending. It seems to be an issue all season. Markstrom not living up to his past numbers. What's happening in between the pipes this year for the Calgary Flames? You know, I think it could be a number of things. I know that him and his fiance are expecting a child, so I'm sure his mind is kind of elsewhere. He is a human being. So just like many of us that go to work, we're oftentimes distracted by our day-to-day lives. But I also think it's a matter of the defense that's playing in front of him. Um, That third pair with Zadorov and Michael Stone or Connor Mackey, depending on who's playing, is really not a solid pairing. They really should just be out there doing cardio minutes, to be honest. They shouldn't be it's a mess but I my hope is that for the trade deadline they do bring in a veteran defender to kind of help bolster that line since it appears that Oliver Shillington won't be returning to the team anytime soon you you, let's talk a little bit about the power play because it also has struggled throughout the season 
what's wrong with the power play? Because the talent is certainly on this roster. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest problem is that they lost two players who can go down there and play behind the net and down low. Uh, we saw it, I think it was Elias Lindholm. He ended up scoring a power play goal last week against the Blues, I believe. And he it was because he was parked in front of the net and could get a rebound. They don't have anyone doing that. They don't have anyone in that position normally. So it was just, that's pretty much, if you listen to Locked on Flames, that's usually what I'm yelling about three times a week at least. But I, I think it's a matter of, finding their again finding their rhythm and finding players that can no I mean no one will ever replace Gaudreau and Kachuk's ability in their chemistry at least at the moment but they're they need to find ways to make up for that and I, I don't know if they they have or will this season Rasmus Anderson has 12 power play assists to lead the team talk to me about what he's done this year Rasmus Anderson has been just an absolute treat to watch. I mean, you go back to the uh, playoffs last season where he had that goal from behind the blue line on Mike Smith. And you like, if you're an outsider watching that, you're like, okay, this is the guy I want to watch. And he's just continued to be a significant addition to, I mean, obviously their offense and their defense as well, but he, he kind of quarterbacks the power play. And I think that there just, there has to be something out there for him and someone to kind of make his life a little bit easier. And he is such a great, smart minded two way defenseman that, you know, and he's still young. He's like 24, 25 years old and just an absolute pleasure to watch. Nazem Kadri was a big signing this offseason. He is up there among the team leaders in most offensive categories. Talk to me about what he's meant to this team this year and, and what, where you see him fitting in in the second half. Yeah, so one of the biggest weaknesses for this team last year and years prior really has been the depth down the middle. You know, you have Elias Lindholm, you have Backlund in that third line role but you never really had a true second line center because Sean Monahan would consistently be out with injuries and you'd have to replace him and move people up and slide this one and that one around. But Adam Rzichka has come in as well. And I think right down the middle with Lindholm, Kadri, Backlund and Rzichka, it has been absolutely phenomenal to watch just again, the depth it's been a strong addition and it's been something that this team has needed for a long time, but they, they never went out and spent and tried to acquire anyone. We talked at the beginning that this playoff race in the Pacific division is very, very tight. What is it about six points separating first place from fifth? Yeah. What moves do you expect the flames to try to make with the trade deadline now less than two months away to try to secure a playoff berth and maybe even go on a bit of a playoff run. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of obvious that they do need to go grab another uh, top six forward. They did last year with Tyler Toffoli, who I thought was going to be more of a middle six kind of guy, but he is up there on the top line with Lynn Holm and uh, Dylan Dubé. So, uh, you know, I don't, 
I don't know. I think they will be shopping. I think it makes sense for them to be, you know, actively looking. And of course, for that sixth and seventh defenseman role, they really need someone. And with with it being the deadline and the salaries being prorated, you know, I think that they're going to have some luck there when it comes to the cap constraints as well. Any player you think they'll be shopping to try to get some of these assets? You know, it pains me to say this because Dylan Dubé has been an excellent, excellent asset to this team this year and last year as well. But he has been playing phenomenally. And I think that he is one of those guys that you kind of know will more than likely be moved because of what, you know, his ceiling and what he provides, but then what he what you could also get in return. Makes sense. Jess, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Sure. So you can find Locked on Flames wherever you listen to Locked on NHL, Spotify, Apple, Audible, Amazon, and of course on YouTube as well at Locked on Flames. And you can find me on social media at Jess Belmosto. Jess, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Gail. I appreciate it. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I'm not a great pill taker. I wanted to take one supplement that would meet all of my daily nutritional needs. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All these things. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Blackhawks, Jack Bushman and Jack, that little three-game winning streak, giving this team some reasons for optimism here in the second half of the season. Yeah, much needed. It had been bleak for the Blackhawks the past couple of months after surprising everyone to that 4-2-0 start through six games. I think everyone around the Blackhawks knew that sustainability. It wasn't going to be sustainable, but I don't think anyone imagined them going on to lose 21 of 24 or whatever that run was. But yeah, nice to see a couple of wins and a couple of things go their way. Pick up big victories at home over the Calgary Flames and the Colorado Avalanche, two really solid teams. So yeah, much needed little boost to the club and a little more belief in the locker room uh, for them down the stretch as we get into the second half here, Gil. And even the loss that ended that three-game winning streak, scoring five goals against a, a good Kraken team, again, you know, you don't want to give up as many goals as they did, but reasons for some hope. Absolutely. And in those final 40 minutes, the Blackhawks hung in there and really played well. And if you go and look at some of the deeper stats and advanced metrics from that game, 
it was really close. The Blackhawks just couldn't get a stop in the first period, and things really just unraveled. They fell behind 6-1. to one. Uh, they, they battled hard the rest of the way, to their credit, but when you fall behind by that much early, th- there's really only so much you could do. But really, all in all, it was another solid performance by the Blackhawks on home ice. They just couldn't really stop the bleeding when they desperately needed to in the opening 20 minutes. The one issue for this team all season has been goal scoring. They're dead last right now in the league in goals scored. Are there any reasons for optimism either on this roster or players who are getting close to being NHL ready who could help fortify the attack a little bit? Yeah, that's interesting you say that because during their little three-game winning streak that they had, top prospect Lucas Reichel was actually up in the NHL and performed pretty marvelously and had a really big outing, scored his first career NHL goal to help lift the Blackhawks over the Calgary Flames. But with Patrick Kane returning from his injury, the Blackhawks elected to send Lucas Reichel back down to Rockford. So I think some Blackhawks fans were a little bit frustrated with that, considering that the offense had finally been doing some things. Um, but yeah, it, it is beneficial for Lucas Reichel to be down in Rockford at the same time. Another thing that is a positive takeaway from the last few games, Gil, is that the Blackhawks have been getting some nice production from their bottom six. Sam Lafferty down on the fourth line. He has five points in his last six games. Third line, Andreas Athanasiu down there has been having one of his better stretches of the season. So it's been nice to see, you know, not just the usual suspects producing for the Blackhawks. It's been a lot of Patrick Kane and, and Max Domi when the Blackhawks do score, as you mentioned, it really has been an issue. So hopefully they can get a little bit more from the third and the fourth line and also from their defensemen as well, because that's been a big boost and helped them pick up some wins here recently. Talk to me about the goaltending situation. I know they've had a number of goalies start games so far this year. How is it shaking out and what do you expect to see in the second half? Yeah, it feels like there have been few and far between amount of games this year where both Alex Stalock and Peter Mrazek have been healthy. Um, but Alex Stalock actually is the one who has kind of now become the starter here in Chicago and surpassed Peter Mrazek in the depth chart. Stalock, when he's been healthy this year, has put up some really solid numbers, especially considering, you know, Peter Mrazek probably hasn't been as bad as the numbers suggest, but those are kind of the numbers you expect on a starting goaltender for a tanking team. Alex Stalock, though, you know, he's got a goals against average below three, save percentage well into the 900s. He's been really sharp, and because of that solid play, it has some people wondering if there could be some teams around the NHL drawing some interest in possibly adding him before the trade deadline. So definitely an interesting development there in Chicago. I don't think anyone really expected much out of Alex Daylock this season, especially as uh, he unfortunately had to miss all of last year as well. Uh, and it figured like it was just going to be a signing to help incentivize the tank, if anything. But he's actually turned into a nice surprise in net for the Blackhawks. You mentioned the trade deadline. It's less than two months away. For a tanking team, as you said, you expect that the Blackhawks would be trading away some veterans and some assets. What do you expect to happen as we get closer to the trade deadline? Yeah, regardless of what happens with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays, we still don't really have any developments on that uh, on that 
process. Apparently, Kyle Davidson, general manager for the Blackhawks, did talk a few days ago, and there are going to be some conversations had here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but one way or another, it, it still feels like the more likely scenario is that whether it's the trade deadline or by the end of the season, both these guys are going to be gone. And if that is the case, the Blackhawks would obviously like to capitalize on that opportunity and get some assets if those players are wanting to continue their careers elsewhere. But other than just those two, I still think the Blackhawks have the possibility of being one of the busiest, if not the busiest team at the deadline in terms of selling. Andreas Athanasiu is someone who, when the Blackhawks signed him, the full expectation was that he was going to get moved at the deadline. I already mentioned Alex Stalock could possibly be getting some interest. Jake McCabe, who might be the, the silver lining of the Blackhawks season, he's been playing really well for them. Um, if, if there's a good enough offer, I, I don't think the Blackhawks would say no, considering his age and the timeline of this rebuild. Well, I think he could be an excellent player to kind of be the star defensive defenseman for this team. If the offer is good, you kind of have to take it. Um, the interesting one too, I think is going to be Max Domi because he was kind of in that same boat as Andreas Athanasiu when they first were signed. They also funny enough, have the same exact contract one year expiring deal for $3 million. But there have been some talks that Domi might have found a home here in Chicago. The Blackhawks have been very happy with what they've seen out of him. Even though they've been losing a lot, he's been all smiles and has seemed to really enjoy his time here so far. And one thing to consider too, if Kane and Taves do get moved, the Blackhawks have to start considering about the salary cap floor for next season. Max Domi could be a guy they could shell out some, some more money to, and I'm sure he wouldn't be too upset about that. So a lot of things to consider for the Blackhawks come the trade deadline here in a couple months, Gil, but I do expect them to be rather busy. Well, they were rather busy at the draft, so I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them rather busy at the trade deadline. Jack, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. For more info on the Blackhawks as we approach the trade deadline, you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts, 100% for free, as well as on YouTube. You can check out the show on Twitter at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. And as for my personal account, you can check me out at Jack Bushman, too. All right, Jack, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, Gil. Always fun. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from the NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, soccer, and of course the NHL. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Maybe you want to check out the latest odds on this week's NHL games to see if you could take your knowledge of the NHL and put it to good use. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Florida Panthers, Armando Velez. And Armando, it's been an up and down season for the Panthers. Uh, President's Trophy winners a year ago, but a lot of changes this offseason. What does this team need to do most to get back on a winning track? Thank you once again, for Gil, for having me as always. I checked my DM history between you and I about the last time I came on the show. And actually, the last time 
I came on was when the Florida Panthers started 4-1-1. One, one. Off yeah. to a great start despite their power play being her even strength. The defense was the least of their problems. And funny enough, they already had two matchups against your New York Islanders at that time. But it's basically their, their inability to kill penalties uh, because uh, since... Since the start, since the the NHL came back from the Christmas break, the Florida Panthers are the worst and second worst in the NHL on the penalty kill, just ahead of the Vancouver Canucks. And the thing is, for the Florida Panthers, even strength, they eliminate rush chances uh, for their opposition. So you would think with eliminating rush chances for the opposition and Sergey Bobrovsky actually playing well since December first, he's he has a nine twenty save percentage. For the cats and he had a, a an out for the florida panthers almost where the panthers almost blew a third period lead again against uh vancouver he's been great since december december 1st and the problem with the panthers is that they're t- so many turnovers in their own zone and the the opposition is just forechecking the panthers to the point that it's creating all those turnovers that are making such back-breaking uh plays along with taking untimely penalties yeah, I mean, they are next to last in, you know, penalties where they have the second most penalty minutes of any team in the league. What what do you think is causing that? And is, is it something the coaching staff can address? I believe it's something they can address. It's just untimely penalties for them. It's, and it, and here's the thing. When you look at the la- the two two out of the last three games, it's just a, it's just been poor poor timing for for them. And Ekblad in their game against the Colorado Avalanche on Tuesday night, which was which was probably I, I know I'm the floor, I'm the locked on Panthers guy. It was probably the game on the night of the night on on Tuesday based on getting off to a, uh, an early lead and then uh the Colorado Avalanche coming back takes two silly penalties in the third period to keep the Colorado Avalanche in it. And 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 even on Saturday, even though it was just 15 seconds left in the game, when the Vancouver Canucks was were pulling uh, the goalie for the extra skater, Aaron Ekblad takes another an- another penalty for for the Panthers, just just uh, putting them putting them in a position to allow the opposition to to even attempt a comeback, even when even when they're up. And uh, it's 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 been it's been just nuts because the Florida Panthers. In the first two periods, their goal differential is a plus 14. In the third period, their goal differential is minus 19. Wow. Well, is conditioning a part of the problem? I, 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 I could probably see why that would be a, a valid question uh, for, for whether their conditioning is a problem. But, I mean, I, I, I see it as these guys are NHL players. These guys go, go to practice. I know under Paul, Marie, <laughs> excuse me, under Paul Maurice, morning skates are optional. So, uh, so I'm not sure whether that's a part of conditioning for the Panthers that is letting them blow these uh, third-period leads. But I also think it's just a matter of what the message is in between period in the, in the locker room as well, because even, even in their, even in their game against Colorado, they went the first 10 minutes without a shot on goal and Colorado had the first 12 shots and the Florida Panthers were trying to keep play, keep away. And the same thing happened against uh, on Saturday as well for, for the cats where they were trying to play, keep away with the lead. And then what happens? 
they go the the opposition goes on the other end and scores to cut the deficit to one luckily the panthers have escaped those and it's thanks to their and it's thanks to their power play really that's really what's been carrying the panthers since Dece- since december 27th because it, it's also not a coincidence why the power play has been so great because that's when they started to get their reinforcements back as a, as of alexander barkov as well even though Radko Gudis is not part of the power play, he, he him being back in the lineup is another factor for the Florida Panthers. Got to ask about Matthew Kachuk. He has played outstanding hockey. What has he added to this team this year? He's he's added that net front presence for the Panthers. And there was a stat the other day of actually two stats for Matthew Kachuk is Matthew Kachuk has the most point, excuse me, most passes from behind the net in the entire NHL. Also, here's another one. Matthew Kachuk also has the the least amount of feet per goal. So at 8.1, that that was the, that was a few games ago, so that number has probably been updated there, but the average is just inside of 10 feet right near that near that blue paint that Matthew Kachuk has, all is always living in. And even though he doesn't have the speed like Jonathan Huberto and the Panthers aren't a rush team like they were last season. Like that's the that's the, also the difference between last year's team and this year's team. We're not seeing the running gun style, odd man rush type of Florida Panthers team. It's more of a defensively structured team. Even though, like I said, the the, the opposition is forechecking the Panthers to turnovers and and goals as well. But for for Matthew Kachuk, just being that net front presence and also that guy who's not afraid to stand up for his teammates. Just uh, just ask Nico Heizer of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, uh, Matthew Kachuk is definitely not afraid to stand up for his team. No question about that. Trade deadline now less than two months away. Obviously, the Panthers battling for playoff position. What do you expect them to do as we get closer to the deadline? It, it's crazy because the, the Florida Panthers currently have two contracts on LTIR as an Anthony Duclair. And Patrick Hornquist. Patrick Hornquist suffered his second concussion of the season, almost almost two handfuls of concussions in his career. And Anthony Duclair just started participating in a full practice for the first time uh, um, this this weekend. So it's a very encouraging sign that he could be coming back soon. The original the original plan for the Florida Panthers was to have him around back around the All Star break for for the Cats. And they're still way above the salary cap ceiling for, for with those contracts. So they're going to have to make some type of trade. Right now, Sam Bennett is uh, performing well, right, raising his trade value. And that's something that Frank Cervelli of Daily Faceoff reported that it could either be one of Sam Bennett or Sam Reinhart. And they don't have a first-round pick till 2026. So based on where they are outside looking in, they could try to re- try to recoup some of the draft assets that they lost from last year's trade deadline. The thing is with how stacked this 2023 draft class is, the 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 met the word around the NHL is that teams are very hesitant to trade their first round picks because act this is and nobody knows how the cap is going to rise coming and so there's still a little bit of uncertainty with that. All right, it'll be interesting to see, and we'll definitely have to watch and listen to your podcast to keep track of it. Armando, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners how they can do that and where they could find you on social media as well? 
They can follow me on Twitter at MondoMan12. They can follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. And if you give me a follow, you'll see just me talking a little bit about how how heartbroken I was about the Dolphins being eliminated by the Buffalo Bills, but still proud of them for putting up a fight um, in, in a in a game that they had no business winning. But but the the rest of the time you're just seeing me just all Florida Panthers all the time uh, the the rest of the way and the time is now to for not only South for South Florida to be focusing in on the Panthers as they try to make a push for the playoffs. All right, Armando, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to talk hockey with you. Thank you so much, Gil, as always. All right, I want to thank my guest today, Jess Belmasto of Locked On Flames, Armando Velez of Locked On Florida Panthers, and Jack Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks. I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday as we go around the league with three of our local experts to discuss the biggest stories from around the NHL. And I co-host the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast along with Rachel Donner. Don't forget we're here every Monday through Friday to bring you the biggest stories from around the league. Have a great day, everyone. Stay safe and thank you for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.